0: You have your Bibles. We're going to read one verse to begin with. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. I believe I have something from the Lord. I'd like to think that's the case every time, but there are some times you feel a particular direction from the Lord. I believe He's going to challenge us this morning. Challenges aren't always comfortable. I hope you're ready to be challenged. Amen. Luke chapter 19 verse 10 simply says for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost and daniel if you want to go back to that title slide my title this morning is where do i fit where do i fit amen jesus came for the lost to be lost in our understanding usually means that we are either unable to find our way or we are unable to be found in a scriptural setting or context to be lost is more than simply being misplaced like when you lose your car keys but the word that is translated as lost in this verse is also translated as perished or destroyed and when we are lost spiritually we are in a position a location a condition where without some kind of rescue we will perish we will be destroyed Amen. The old hymn, Amazing Grace, says, I once was lost, but now am found. Once was blind, but now I see. That was my testimony. That's your testimony. That there was a point where we were lost, and then there came a point where we became found. And Jesus came to seek, the Scripture says. It does not mean that He did not know where we were, but rather that we needed to allow Him to find us. He knows exactly where you are. He knows where you are better than you do. But we have to allow ourselves to be found. We have to allow ourselves to be saved. And I want to declare this morning that if you're willing to be found, Jesus is looking for you. If you're willing to be saved, Jesus died to make it happen. Amen. And one of the things that happens when we are born again of the water and the Spirit according to john chapter 3 we are now able to enter a kingdom the bible says that when we are born again we can enter the kingdom of god it is not a physical relocation in the natural if we changed kingdoms we would have to go from being in one nation to another or under one authority to another but spiritually it is a change of authority amen when we were lost we were under the control of sin We were easily manipulated by the devil. Romans 8 and 2 says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So you are either under one authority or the other. They are the two options. One law is sinful and leads to death. The other is the law of the spirit of life. We either submit to the authority of Jesus Christ or we submit to the authority of flesh and sin and the enemy of our souls. There's nowhere in the middle. You cannot choose to sit out. You cannot choose to pass on your turn. You're under one of those authority, whether you realize it or not this morning. Amen. And when you have been saved, when you've been born again, there are some significant things that are a part of that package, some wonderful things. One of them is that you become a part of a family. Romans 8 and 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. A couple of verses later in verse 16, it says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We become a part of the family of God regardless of ethnicity, regardless of age regardless of education of social status of wealth or poverty when you are born again you are family in the sight of god amen we need to treasure that we need to love that we need to understand how powerful that that is but we also become a part of a body romans 12 and 5 so we being many are one body in christ and everyone not some but everyone members one of another First Corinthians twelve and thirteen, and we're going to go back to these chapters in a bit, but it says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Scripture uses these concepts, the idea of a family, of a body. They're things that we are familiar with in everyday life, but Scripture uses them to communicate some of the things that happen to us when we are born again we become a part of these ideas but having said that being born again is a very personal experience it happens between you and god it is not a team event you could possibly be praying together to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You could be going to church together, encouraging one another to do so together. But the new birth experience or being born of water and spirit happens between you and God. Amen. You cannot do it on behalf of somebody else. You cannot have somebody else do it for you. It is personal. When you are born again, you repent of your sins. I repent of my sins. I have to be baptized in Jesus' name. You have to be baptized in Jesus' name. I have to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You have to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is personal. Amen. And when we begin that new life, it includes things such as a new walk. We walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. A new talk. that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, it begins with a new act. We separate ourselves. We don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh anymore. It changes the way that we think. We are renewed in the spirit of our mind, the Bible says. It is a new way to live. It has a new purpose. Paul said, the life that I live now, I live after Christ. Amen. And as personal as your salvation is, your new life is finds its fulfillment and its completion in the family of god and in the body of christ does not happen in isolation and i've had this conversation with several people in different settings recently but when you become a part of this family and a part of this body it is quite common for people to begin to wonder and to ask the questions where do i fit what is my purpose how can i serve what needs to change how do i grow the good news is that god has a purpose for each and every one of us amen turn to your neighbor and say, god has a purpose for you don't shake their hand or cough on them just speak to them gently there is somewhere that we fit there is somewhere that we belong there is something that god would have each of us to do Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, starting at verse 3, says the Apostle Paul writing, says, For I say that through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many, are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another you don't exist in isolation having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us whether the prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion excuse me of faith or ministry let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching he that exhorteth on exhortation he that giveth let him do with simplicity or with generosity we might understand that he that ruleth with diligence and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness the first thing that we need to notice here is that paul emphasizes that we should not think more highly of ourselves than is appropriate because god has showed us grace and anything that we do for him is by the faith and the grace that he gives us amen we really don't bring much to the table everything comes from him It's extremely important when we think about where we fit in the body of Christ that we keep that in our minds. Then Paul lists some gifts that God gives to individuals. And when you read this passage, it suggests that He gives gifts to each of us. Somebody say, that's me. Amen. He gives gifts to each of us. Amen. Sometimes more than one gift. Many of us know people that seem to have got the whole box and we got one that's that's how god does it that's up to him amen and then he lists some of those gifts i'm not suggesting and i don't think paul was saying that this list is necessarily exhaustive or that there's no other ways that we can be involved but he lists some of those gifts he says prophecy it's not necessarily the gift of the spirit referred to in first corinthians chapter 12 but it may include things such as testifying witnessing anointed speaking in some capacity amen ministry, which which is in line with the direct meaning of the word, which is serving. Many people that serve in the kingdom of God do so, what we might say, under the radar. There are things that that happen that are done that nobody notices. That's a servant. Then there's teaching. It may include the pulpit. It may include home Bible study, Sunday school, and a variety of other possible applications. There's exhortation, or we might say encourages how we need encouragers, people that will encourage us come along beside us and say you can do it god will keep you not you can do it by yourself but if you trust god he'll bring you through we don't need discouragers. that's not a fruit of the spirit amen if you know people that their standard response to most things is negative they need to pray through that's not of god amen giving we're blessed by god so that we can bless others ruling in most of the other versions outside of the king james that word is leading has to do with leadership and administration and showing mercy or having great compassion being given to the care of others these are traits that all christians should desire and have but as paul's taught us some are gifted in certain of those areas it's also important to notice that he doesn't clearly define their meanings because how they're demonstrated plays out differently in different people and different settings but he's giving us some examples there now i want us to go to first corinthians chapter 12 and starting at verse 4 some of this many of you've heard before first corinthians 12 and 4 says now there are diversities of gifts similar idea to what we read in romans but the same spirit and there are diverse differences of administrations or how they work but the same lord there are diversities of operations but it is the same god which worketh all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all for to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues but all these worketh that one and self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will for as the body is one and has many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is christ this passage emphasizes the fact that all of these supernatural gifts and what we mean by that is things that you can't do through natural talent and ability supernatural gifts are given or produced by one spirit that's the spirit of god or the holy ghost it's the same spirit and what is uh what lines up with what we read in romans 12 is that god decides who gets what and how many god does it according to his will but what we also see there are there are nine gifts here i'm not going to teach on them this morning that's a whole nother lesson but the nine gifts that are listed are the word of wisdom the ability god gives supernatural wisdom the word of knowledge where god gives knowledge that you didn't read out of a book he gives you knowledge about a situation the gift of faith gifts of healings miracles prophecy discernment of spirits and different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues what is consistent with romans 12 in 1 corinthians 12 and verse 7 says but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all and on that slide i've got a couple of other translations of that verse it says the manifestation of the spirit is given to each person for the common good and the last one says the spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other so romans 12 lists some gifts and it says that god gives them to everybody 1 Corinthians 12 lists some gifts and also says that they're given to each of us. There's a consistency there. None of us miss out. None of us can say, I've got nothing to offer God. God hasn't given me the ability or given me whatever it might be to do anything. So if you have the Holy Ghost, and please somebody say that's me, then you have been given a supernatural gift of the Spirit that is supposed to benefit the body of christ the church and beyond amen so so far we have two lists of gifts that god distributes as he thinks best to each of us you might say well i don't have any of the gifts of the spirit you may not be aware of it yet and there may be a reason why you don't operate in that yet but my bible suggests you do have a gift of the spirit one of the things that happens is particularly let's let's talk about tongues and interpretations because we're fairly used to that one of the things that happens is when the spirit moves we expect brother or sister so and so who always does it to do it and when we're waiting for interpretation in our minds we're thinking oh sister so-and-so's got this or brother so-and-so's got that and we're not looking to be using the gifts of the spirit we need to change that mindset We're not looking for the spotlight, but we need to have an attitude. that says, Lord, if there's something that you've imparted to me through the Holy Ghost that you want me to use to bless your people, help me. Help me to talk to my pastor. Help me to pray about it. Help me to desire to understand how and why and who so I can operate as you would have me to. Amen. Then I want to read one more list, Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 8, says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, speaking of Jesus, he led captivity captive, gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 8 speaks of the ascension of Jesus. Verse 9 and 10 refer to that also. But verse 8 ends with Jesus giving gifts unto men. And then verses 9 and 10 are in brackets showing that the continuation of the last last thought of verse 8 is actually in verse 11. Because verse 8 says He gave gifts, And then verse 11 says, And he gave, telling us what those gifts were. Amen. It's important we we understand that. And verse 11 tells us what they were. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So the gifts that are listed here, just quickly. Apostles. An apostle usually is somebody who is sent forth. Somebody who is sent out most of the time into a place that doesn't have a church, that hasn't heard the gospel. One of the most... Common examples of that in a modern day setting is a missionary, somebody who goes into a place to start a church where there isn't a church there. Again, that's just a brief meaning. A prophet is somebody who imparts a special message or direction from God. An evangelist is a preacher of the good news, someone whose focus is reaching for lost souls. A pastor, the word literally means a shepherd, somebody who leads and watches over the flock of God, feeding, instructing, and guiding. A teacher is fairly obvious, it's one who instructs in the word of god now these gifts are sometimes called the ministry gifts the word minister means to serve and in that sense we're all ministers we're all servants of the lord the context of these gifts in ephesians 4 is that these are people who god has called to minister the word of god specifically and what is unique about these gifts is that he said he gave some Not everybody is called to these particular responsibilities. Secondly, the gifts that we read about in Romans and Corinthians were given to individuals. These gifts are given to the church. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. Now, we live in a world where there are unfortunately preachers who have assumed celebrity status, where they're super high profile, super high budget, and they declare regularly that god wants you to live like king's kids because he is a king and you're his child and they think a part of that is you're helping them to live like a king this elevates them unfortunately often to be above question to be answerable to nobody and it leads to pride and often a great downfall into sin and we've all seen that over the years the bible does give us instruction about how we ought to view people that god has called into these roles i'm going to balance this hopefully so you get where i'm coming from hebrews 13 and 17 says obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you first timothy 5 and 17 says let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. The question is why? Why do we honor these officers as the scripture teaches us to? Are they more valuable people? Are they more worthy people? No, that's not biblical. We have to remember, Paul taught us in Romans that we should not think of ourselves higher than is appropriate. Amen. It's not what it's talking about. In fact, often you read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it talks about how God takes the unwise he says where is the mighty where is the wise he takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise but the reason the scripture teaches us to honor these offices of these roles is because the ministry of the word of god is what everything is built upon and measured by amen ephesians chapter 2 and verses 20 to 22 speaking of the church says that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So the Word of God is our foundation. It provides structure for the house of God, which is not the bricks and the concrete. It is the people of God. It is the habitation or the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Amen. So these gifts, why are they given to the church by God and what is their purpose? Verse 12 of Ephesians 4 says that the perfecting or the completing of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So those that God has called to minister His Word have the responsibility to maintain a biblical foundation and a structure within which we all serve. And to preach and teach the word in a fashion so that all the gifts that God has given us can operate properly, effectively, to serve and to edify and to build up the church. That's why we honor those roles, because they provide the framework within which all of us grow and learn to serve. That's why it's important. It is not because they're any more spiritual are any closer to god any more valuable got a greater pedigree got a higher education got whatever fill in the blankets as god has said i'm using you for this purpose you use my word to build my house so people can grow edify and develop and serve in my body and in my family so that's the balance there amen so the million dollar question how do i know what my gifts are how do i know when and how do i know how to use them remembering that god is eternal god knows the end from the beginning that his will for your life was ordained before you were born now does that mean it's automatic because god had a will for you before you were born that you just somehow sit back and download and just allow things to happen just shows up and you just know what to do i wish i wish the fulfillment or the lack of fulfillment of god's promises and god's purpose and his will in our lives is brought about by our choices to obey him to submit to him and to surrender to him we control how much fulfillment god's will has in our lives because he has given us a free will if he wants you to have a particular gift and to fill a particular responsibility and serve a particular function, you must choose to allow that to happen. He does not take over your brain. You do not become remote controlled. He says, If you will, then I will. That's why he said, If you're thirsty, come unto me and drink. He didn't force anybody to drink. He said, If you want to, it is available. And for every single soul that is born into this world, there is both the invitation to salvation and the invitation to find the will of God in their lives and to serve as He designed in His kingdom. But we control that. Many of the gifts in Romans chapter 12 are with us when we're born and can be enhanced by offering them to God for His glory. Some people are natural leaders. You see it in small children quite young we were at conference uh, not long ago a couple of years i think it was a friend of ours who shall remain nameless has a little girl who is a leader <laughs> she can i i walked with her i think she's about four years old maybe walked into the service holding her hand she saw two of her friends twin sisters sitting on the seat watching something on i'm assuming a parent's phone this little girl walked over walked past them and as she walked past took the phone walked to the end of the row and sat down with the phone the twins got up and dutifully walked across and sat on either side of her and just she was the leader it was understood <laughs> there was no debate there was no discussion it's just how it was and if you if, if those of you that work with children particularly school teachers will tell you you see that dynamic begin to show up early in life there are people that are naturally helpers There are just some people that look to help there are people that are naturally teachers. There are people that are naturally compassionate. But until those things are offered to God, they will never find their real purpose. They will simply be an ability. But the old song says that only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you do for Christ will last. So let's consider some aspects of what it takes for our gifts to be used for god's glory the first thing is growth we need to grow we get born again we start a new life we are spiritually an infant we need to grow the example i just used of a teacher in a classroom a teacher may be able to identify certain characteristics in a student they may see compassion they may see helpfulness they may see leadership but they don't just you know because that kid's got leadership potential they just put a six-year-old in front of the class and take the day off they're seeing something that is a raw product that needs to grow to be developed to be guided to be trained we all have to go there is growth that is required there is maturity that is necessary amen somebody who is a new believer in christ may be a natural teacher with great ability but they've got to learn the word of god they've got to learn how we teach the word of god because it's not the same as how we teach calculus thank the good lord for that because calculus was in foreign language amen our maturity and our character is more important to god than our gifting jesus will always focus more on who you are than what you can do so there must be growth particularly it depends on different responsibilities another thing that's very important is what in what the process of what happens with our gift and what god wants is motive why do i want to be involved why why do I want to be something in the kingdom of God? Is it because it's my time to shine? Or because finally I'll be able to show them how to do things properly? Or wait until they see how good I am at this? Maybe not. Or is it because I want to serve God, to be used for his, to bring Him glory, to serve His people, to serve His house, whether anybody notices or not? 1 Corinthians 1 and 29 says that no flesh should glory in his presence. And if it's about you, it's going nowhere. <laughs> Amen. If it's about you or doing things your way or desiring attention, God's not in- interested in that. Because the treasure's in earthen vessels. And as much as we, you see, when you think about what humanity is, until God got involved, we were mud. God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul, Genesis 2.7. So until God got involved, we're just dirt. And there's a reason that he did it that way, because that way he's the one that gets the glory. Because anything of us that was valuable was what he added to the dust of the ground. You take out what of us is God, and there's not much left that's very impressive. And he's done that so that he would get the glory. Amen. Amen amen another thing that's very significant when we think about what happens with our involvement is faithfulness faithfulness i would suggest one of if not the number one reason why people's gifts never reach their potential is a lack of faithfulness and commitment to the house of god we are so busy so busy We have the same number of hours that they had in the book of Acts, and yet it seems like they had time just to spend. Amen. Serving God requires growth, requires a pure motive. It requires sacrifice. Jesus said in all four Gospels, he said that if a man will try to save his own life, he'll lose it. But if he'll lose it for my sake, he'll find it. We, learnt, we, we considered that word learn means to perish or be destroyed that means that my life or what i want is perished and i'll find my identity in him amen verse the lord the preaching and teaching of the word of god the time spent praying together is necessary to see the fulfillment of your purpose and your gifts in the kingdom of god if you are going to grow if you are going to be a healthy part of a healthy body then it is only rational that you must be connected to that body that just makes sense if we're going to grow we have to have a healthy connection and I'm not wanting to offend anybody and please don't line up and give me reasons and explanations I know everybody has different circumstances I'm not dismissing that but if we only have time to come to one service a week where in the world is the time going to come from to serve in another capacity we want to serve we need time we need sacrifice and if we can't get to the house of the lord more than once a week where is that time coming from to serve in the kingdom of god amen now i know that when you make a statement like that that one of the automatic responses is that people will say that being in the church is not everything when it comes to serving god I get that. Uh, Somebody once humorously but accurately said, being in a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a car. That's the truth. It is not the building that makes us Christians. It's a relationship with God. But the flip side of that is that in the 40-some years that I've been going to church, I've very, very, very rarely ever seen a strong Healthy, spirit filled believer who was not consistently committed to being in the house of God. Now, there are extremes. We don't want to go live in isolation in a monastery or a compound or some community out in the middle of nowhere where we have nothing to do with society and we grow our own food, and that's not biblical. That's one extreme. The other extreme is people who profess to believe in Jesus and have nothing to do with Him. Amen. If we are going to grow, we have to be connected to the body. Your ability to grow, to mature, and to contribute to the kingdom of God cannot be separated from the health of this relationship right here. It's not possible. am Am I saying that... If I go to church X number of times a week, I will automatically go to heaven. No, that's not the point. You'll go to heaven because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll go to heaven because you've been born again of the Lord and the Spirit and you've walked with God. Being here strengthens and enhances that. That's how we need to understand this. It's not that we're not orthodox in thinking if I do so many services a week, I'm going to be okay with God. No, it's understanding that when I'm here, with brothers and sisters, and I'm hearing the Word of God preached and taught, we're praying together, we're worshipping together, we're growing together, we're affecting one another positively most of the time for the Kingdom of God, I've got a much better chance of being where I ought to be when the trumpet sounds. That's the understanding we need to have. Do not think, I think, that just because you come through that door, you're going to heaven. But I'll tell you this much, if you're coming through that door regularly, your chances go high. It's necessary. God puts us together there are changes that god wants to bring about in each one of us that don't happen by isolation they happen by us encouraging one another and guess what they happen by us offending one another too that's where change comes from probably the most powerfully the most powerful change of experience is through struggling to overcome offense you can isolate yourself and never be offended you'll be an infant till the rapture but we must to grow we have to grow together a body a family a kingdom that's the scriptural concept and again i know there are some situations we have a sister who comes on a sunday night who works six and a half days a week and that extra half a day she's in the house of god i'm not saying there aren't sometimes extenuating circumstances but i'm reasonably confident saying they are the exception not the rule amen bless the lord I knew a family once that attended church once a week they were lovely people never ever a problem for their pastor but it didn't seem to matter how much the pastor tried to encourage them to do so they couldn't ever seem to get more committed than just once a week they moved to another city started attending church in another city some circumstances in their family some fairly significant ones impacted them And their family began to change and they began to be in church on Sunday morning, on Sunday night, Bible study, prayer meeting, whatever was going on. Amen. And you know where the most observable difference is in that family today? It's in their children. Because now their kids are picking people up for church. They're playing instruments. They're shaking hands on the door. They're leading worship. They're getting to youth camp. They're getting along and getting behind their youth leader. They're doing all those things and they are growing. Amen. Amen nothing wrong with the people still the same lovely people but there is something that simply does not happen when you're on your own that's the biblical concept amen bless the lord the gifts and callings that god gives you are both developed and displayed in the family of god that's what the word of god teaches us amen i told you i was going to challenge you this morning things that render you unusable i read this reason i didn't write this so if this upsets somebody i can give you the person's name you can email them but it challenged me challenged me personally and i hope it challenged you this is a list of things that render you render you unusable. in other words that hinder you from being used that hinder you from developing the gifts that god has given you to use number one not being engaged in the service Not being a worshiper. That's not talking about how high you jump. It's talking about being involved in what God is doing. That speaks of our spirituality. Not coming to Sunday night or midweek service or whatever's going on. That speaks of our commitment. Not being a giver. That speaks of priorities and a lack of trust. Not displaying the fruit of the Spirit. That speaks of our character. Not being accountable. That speaks of an unsubmissive spirit. Not being teachable, that speaks of pride. Not being willing to sacrifice, it speaks of an unwillingness to go the second mile. And not having a daily walk, because that speaks of our relationship with God. Those are things that render us unusable. Remember, God gives us gifts. You don't choose them, God gives them to you. God says, I want to use you. There's no unemployment in the kingdom of God. God has a place for every single person. What did we learn in our lesson from Acts this morning? That when Stephen and Philip and the other five guys, whose names I can't remember, when they started taking care of a function in the church, the word of God grew, the church multiplied greatly why because people were finding a place in the growing church and saying if i take care of this the apostle peter can take care of that the gospel can still be preached and the lord god can be glorified that's how it's designed the preachers and teachers are supposed to help to build the house and everybody inside is supposed to let's make this house work none of us are designed or chosen to sit in the front lounge room of that house it's all hands on deck the cliche that's often used at the church is a battleship, not a cruise ship. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, and I'm coming to a close. Cass, if I could have you on the piano, please. Matthew 9, 37. Jesus speaking, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The issue is never, was not then, is not now, a lack of people with the gifts that were needed. That's not the issue. The issue is always people willing to offer their gifts. So God, whatever you want me to do, however you want me to serve, whatever. So when people ask me, what is the will of God for my life? Or what does God want me to do? These are my standard responses, and I think they've stood the test of time firstly why do we want to know what's our motive if you're serious about it you have to have a servant's heart because it's always about his glory secondly the will of god is not a road map that he just hands to you and shows you the whole journey the will of god is progressive revelation it's not from location to location it was for abraham god said go here then go there but even with abraham it was from obedience to obedience The next step was revealed when the first step was obeyed. If Abraham had never left Ur of the Chaldees, no other steps would have been revealed to him. Amen. And as I say to people over and over again, the way to find God's will in your life is to start by doing what you already know how to do with all of your heart. Because if you're not doing that, why would God show you the next step? you might say pastor i don't know much you know to come to god's house you know to pray you know to read your bible you know to tithe we know the basics let's do them with all of our heart and then say all right god i'm trying to give you everything i have what do you want me to be where would you how can i serve what way what gift no matter how insignificant you might feel you are have you given me god that i can contribute to the body that you might be glorified you know the reverse is also true wrong motives no obedience half heartedness you'll never get the will of god that way god has given every single one of you gifts that he wants you to work in to operate in for his glory the question is what will we do with them? i want you to stand with me this morning if you would long time ago, I think I was about 21 years old, a wonderful elder by the name of Brother James Kilgore came to our conference and was ministering. He's passed away and now gone on to be with the Lord. And some of you have heard me tell this story. But he told a story about his church back in the U.S. His church was well known for missions giving, being big supporters of the mission field and every so often they were might have been monthly i don't remember the details but they would have a mission sunday where they would challenge the church to bring a missions offering to sacrifice to bring something for the kingdom and a little girl in sunday school very very young came to her sunday school teacher that morning with an old jar that she'd obviously got off mum, and in that jar was a single flower that she'd picked out of the garden and put in that jar and put the lid on and it, you know, things already starting to die and she brought it to her Sunday school teacher and she said I want to give this to Jesus now that Sunday school teacher took that flower in the jar went to Brother Kilgore told him the story Brother Kilgore took that jar with the flower in it and sat on his pulpit told his congregation the story and auctioned off that flower and raised $1,000 for missions because a little girl brought what was quite probably a weed to Sunday school. That is the principle. The principle is you might feel like a little child with not much more than a weed in your hand, but under the anointing, the empowering, the developing, the growing, and the moving of God, he can blow your mind that's what it comes down to so I could have that title slide back please Daniel if I can that picture behind the question of the parts of a BMW engine I can probably name two of them don't know anything about cars but every single piece fits somewhere into something that fits to something else that fits to something else and you can sit in that car and you can say man these leather seats are nice look at this sound system look at this entertainment the air conditioning the cruise control but you take one of those pieces out of that motor and everything is out of whack And you might feel like you're, I don't know, maybe that little washer just up there on the right-hand side. But every piece has a place. And as we worship the Lord this morning, I believe God is speaking to some of us. Some of us know things that God wants us to give to Him. Others haven't got a clue. But your invitation is to find a place at this altar and say, Lord, whatever you've given me, I want to give back to you. Abraham waited a hundred years for his miracle. And then God said, give it back to me. And he gave it back to him. And God took that one young man's life and made a nation. And from that nation gave us a redeemer and a savior. Because an old man said, God, it hurts my heart, but I'll give you back my son. Whatever you give for him, whatever you lose for his sake, you'll find your life in Jesus this morning. Won't you come? as we worship him this morning. Lord, we worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus.